What on earth is going on? Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feeder podcast by Christadelphian Video. We're introducing to you now a 12-part video series um, based on a seminar that was presented in Wales in early 2022. And the premise is regarding our own position in relation to Bible prophecy. For example, have you ever considered the detail with which the Bible records events ahead of time? Or have you ever looked into the archaeological and historical evidence that supports its claims? You might actually be surprised. The evidence can provide solid foundation to trust all that it has to say, motivating faith and hope for the promised future which is found within the pages of Scripture. This series was actually presented as a six-week introductory seminar to this subject by four presenters who are passionate about each subject and the hope that it provides. We've split those four, those six weeks into 12 separate presentations um, for just for ease of consumption. The series was brought together originally over Zoom um, in locations across South Wales, Newquay, Port Lethem, Taymouth and Taunton. So this, as I say, is the premise, the introduction really to the series and I hope you sincerely enjoy the following classes that we provide. We're going to talk about the prophecies about Israel. I love all of the prophecies in scripture. Uh, for me, at least, the prophecies that relate to Israel are without a shadow of a doubt the most powerful. It is beyond the, the humankind to be able to foretell the future. Uh, and it, it is in the province of the divine. It's only God who can foretell the future. And the history of Israel was written way before they ever actually existed as a, as a complete nation. And that's what we'll see tonight. Uh, the, the Old Testament is chiefly about Israel, its, uh, its formation, um, uh, and uh, it being chosen by God, uh, and God loving Israel uh, and seeking the best for them, and then constantly going astray. In Isaiah 43, and we, we saw this last week, there's a really bold statement that's made by God uh, through the prophet uh, and to uh, Israel. In verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant, who I, am, I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. And in verse 12, therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. So that, that is a bold assertion. Uh, the Jewish nation are witnesses that God exists. And we can see that through their history. Now, there's a fairly uh, complicated timeline. It basically takes us from the formation of Israel in Exodus right through to 1948 and the reestablishment of Israel. And we'll be looking at various parts of that in the next 20 minutes. 
But just to give you the context, you'll, you'll be familiar with uh, Abraham, who was asked to go from the Ur, Ur, of, uh, Ur of the Chaldees down into uh, Israel, but never actually had any of the land. And then uh, his son Isaac, and then Jacob. Uh, and if there's one story that most everyone is familiar with, it's the story of Joseph when his brothers sell him down into Egypt. There's a famine in the land, uh, and the rest of the family moved to Egypt. And then, uh, really on 400 years later, and there's uh, the, the oppression of the children of Israel, that's the children of Jacob, uh, and then, then Moses arises as a leader, blessed by God, uh, and he extracts uh, God's command, the whole nation, which by, by this time is a mighty nation 400 years on, possibly a couple of million people, takes them out of Egypt back to the land that God has promised them. That's the formation of Israel. They spend 40 years in the wilderness uh, in which they are formed into a nation and in which they're given the laws that are going to govern them as a nation under God, a theocracy. Um, and we meet them uh, in Deuteronomy 28 on the verge of going into the promised land. So they've spent 40, 40 years in the wilderness and now God's got something really important to tell them. And in Deuteronomy 28, we read um, right at the beginning, if you fully obey the Lord your God, carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And, and what follows then, as I recall, is 15 verses of blessings about their harvests, about their uh, they're young, uh, about uh, the prosperity of their agriculture uh, and their uh, peacefulness. There's 15 verses. Now, this is in a chapter which has about 64 verses. And in verse 15, uh, we read this. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Now that's not a threat. That's simply God stating, if you do uh, as I've asked you to do, these are the blessings that you will, you'll accrue. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. And in a sense, that is God foretelling the future. It's a prophecy of what is going to take place. Because one thing we do know is that the children of Israel did not follow the law of God. And so in Deuteronomy 28, it says the Lord would, amongst other things, there, there's several really very, very specific prophecies in Deuteronomy 28, and it's well worth reading the whole thing. Um, some really gruesome things about the sieges that will take place in the cities and the walls being destroyed. All of this at a point where they had no cities and they had no walls. Um, so these, these were predictions for a long time in the future. In verse uh, 36 of Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will drive you and the king who sat over you to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors. And again, it's worth mentioning that they didn't have a king at that point. 
There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. You'll become a thing of horror, a byword, an object of ridicule among all the peoples where the Lord will drive you. Well, that's just one uh, particular prophet, uh, prophecy. Uh, and just uh, out of interest, I put in um, slurs uh, and hate speech for uh, uh, for Jews, and those are all of the words that you, that are used as slurs against the Jewish nations around the world. It's not just an English thing. You, you find the same issue in uh, Eastern Europe, and certainly in America, uh, and certainly in Canada as well. They have become a proverb and a byword because they've been uh, cast out of, of the land. It says also in verse uh, in Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the ends of the earth like an eagle swooping down, a nation whose language you will not understand, a fierce looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. They will devour the young of your livestock and the crops of your land until you are destroyed. They will leave you no grain, any wine or olive oil, nor any calves of your herds or lambs of your flocks until you are ruined. They will lay siege to all your cities throughout your land until the high fortified walls in which you trust fall down. They will besiege all the cities throughout the land the Lord your God is giving you. And just bear in mind where they are when this prophecy is being given. This is uh, just as they're about to enter the land 1,500 years uh, before Jesus was born. And so the prophecy is that a, a fierce nation will come, besiege their cities, break down their city walls, uh, and leave them starving. It's even more specific than that. It's, uh, it's so bad within the siege that the people will eat their own children, which is absolutely horrifying. Uh, but, but really, and but very, very specific. Uh, and, and there's only one reason that anybody would ever eat their own child, and that's because there's really absolutely no hope. And you know your child's going to die, uh, and your best course of action is to uh, just speed that process up to save them suffering, um, and then sustain yourself in the hope that later on you might actually be able to have a child yourself. But there in Deuteronomy 28, it's really specific, and it says it twice, in fact, about the misery that will take place in this siege. Uh, and just to keep going into Deuteronomy 28, just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You'll be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all nations, from one end of the earth to the other. There you'll worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations, you'll find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread, both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening, 
and in the evening, if only it were morning, because of the terror that will fill your hearts and the sights that you will, your eyes will see. And again, I just whilst of course we we think of the Jewish experience in the in 1930s Germany when we read that it was written 1500 years before Jesus was born, uh, and a good uh, 3,000 years uh, up until uh, in the 1930s. Uh, unless we think that the Jewish experience of misery was just in the 1930s, it's worth remembering that uh, actually uh, in every single European country in particular, there's strong evidence to show that the Jews were persecuted, uh, particularly Edward uh, I, for instance, expelled the Jews in Britain, having borrowed large amounts of money from them. He excluded them uh, and put them in what were uh, early concentration camps and gave them a 12-inch yellow star, just in case we think that was something that the Nazis had invented. First of all, it was uh, Edward I that started doing that. And that experience was a, 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 a similar experience, as I say, right throughout the world, as prophesied in Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will send you back uh, in the ships to uh, Egypt on a journey. I, I said you should never make again. There you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies uh, as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. Okay, so um, I've really, there's a lot in Deuteronomy 28. We spend a, a lot of time on it. Um, but we'll talk about the, 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 some more of the fulfillment of that in AD 70 as well. Okay, let's just move along the timeline a little bit to Jeremiah. And this is 600 years before Jesus was born. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 16, but you have behaved more wickedly than your ancestors, talking to them at the time. See how all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me saying this to Israel. So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known. And there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favour. So it isn't just in Deuteronomy 28 we uh, read of these prophecies. Jeremiah 32, you are saying about this city by the sword, famine and plague it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I'll bring them back to this place and let them live safely. So in Jeremiah 16 and in Deuteronomy 28, we see that one of the consequences of them not obeying God was to be uh, excluded from the land and scattered. But actually in Jeremiah 32, we get, we're told, it's not just a strong hint, we are told that they will be brought back to this place to live in safety. Remember, this is 600 years before uh, the Lord Jesus. And so this is still, uh, for them, they must have thought, well, what does this mean? Then we have in this whistle-stop tour, uh, the prophecy that's in Ezekiel 37. 
um, which uh, you will have heard of in the song Dem Bones, Dem Bones, Dem Dry Bones. Uh, and you'll have sung as a child about which bone is connected to uh, whichever bone, whichever part of the story you're in. Uh, uh, but that comes from Ezekiel 37. And it's a prophecy where Ezekiel sees a valley full of dry bones. And the dry bones represent the people of Israel. Uh, in the verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. And I'll make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. It's really very, very clear. But remember when this prophecy was given. This was still hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Uh, and at that point, they, they were still very much in the land. Again, in verse 25. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children, their children's children, will live there forever, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy, and my sanctuary is among them forever. <clears throat> now that's a prophecy that is yet to be fully and wholly fulfilled. But it's clear then in Ezekiel 37 that though they'll be scattered, they will be brought back. Okay. Let's move on then to the greatest prophet of all, the Lord Jesus. And in Luke 21, he gives a uh, synthesis, a synopsis of all of the Old Testament prophecies when he talks about, uh, in, in response to, uh, his disciples saying, isn't this temple marvellous? Verse 5, and I'm sorry I'm reading from Scripture a great deal, but in this particular instance, Scripture really does speak for itself. and it doesn't really need a great deal of explanation. Luke 21, some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left upon another. Everyone will be thrown down. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. And verse 20, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. And a few years after then, uh, as we can see just down on the bottom left-hand side of the slide, 
in AD 70, we have the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the Jews had rebelled against the Romans on a number of occasions, uh, and it was decided to send their best uh, general in at the time, Vespasian. Uh, and Vespasian came and besieged all of the cities uh, bit by bit in Jerusalem. Uh, and people then fleed uh, from the, the, where they lived into Jerusalem because it had huge, huge walls, 15 foot wide. And there were, uh, there were three of them, in actual fact. Um, and so Jerusalem was besieged. One of the reasons why Christianity spread so rapidly was because actually Christians understood what Jesus had said and had left the city. And that's, a, that's really, for those of us uh, who are Christians, just a, a, a real lesson. Uh, listen to what Jesus says and act upon what he has said. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you obey his word, then you'll be saved. And they were. What followed was a long, long siege, so long that Vespasian uh, then was called back to Rome, actually to become emperor of Rome. And his own son, Titus, finished the job by building a wall all around Jerusalem and starving the population. Then uh, eventually they broke through because part of the wall collapsed. Um, because in weakening some of the siege engines, that uh, the weakening, weakening the ground under the siege engines, the Jews uh, actually undermined the wall, and that the wall collapsed, and then the Romans got in uh, and took thousands. Josephus says ninety-six thousand uh, people into slavery and sent them throughout the world. We know a great deal about that. Um, because of this man, I'll just go over to, uh, I won't, forgive me. Um, we, we do know a great deal about it because of Flavius Josephus, who was uh, in charge of the defense of Jotapa. Um, for one reason or another, he survived when others didn't. And then he told Vespasian that he thought he was going to become emperor. Uh, and having uh, gained his favour in that way, became his official historian and wrote down a great deal about the wars of the Jews. So we know a great deal about it. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 21, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There'll be great distress in the land uh, and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and be taken as prisoners to all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That was going to be a long, long time into the future. And I'm going to, uh, is going to cover that as well. <clears throat> now we've had a whistle-stop tour. Uh, and what I've given you are some passages from scripture um, and in a sense, some assertions that I haven't really had time to evidence. But if you just uh, look at um, so, some of the monuments around, um, you'll know that what the Bible has said came true. So the, the coins, that, that, for instance, you can see there, Judea Capta, uh, that was minted 
uh, and so, some of the uh, marble carvings that you can find in Rome. Indeed, the Colosseum was built uh, as a, a, a place to celebrate um, the fall of Jerusalem. They, they used the money that they made uh, from that capture uh, to build it. And then they had games that lasted for an incredible 10 years in length in the Colosseum to celebrate, first of all, Vespasian, then Titus, uh, and the conquering of, the, of Israel. So there we are. Uh, AD 68, was, they were besieged. AD 70, conquered by Titus in the end. And then uh, over 90,000 Jews, uh, 96,000, according to uh, Josephus. And that should have been the end of the Jewish nation. Remember, this was AD 70. This was before the Vikings set foot in Britain. This is when there were Scots in Ireland uh, and Picts uh, and Celts and nations that were every bit as uh, valid as a nation as the Jews were. And given the, the fact that they were going to be persecuted wherever they went, had every reason to forget their Jewishness, this should have been the end. None left in the land. Uh, the, the Romans ceremonially ploughed parts of Jerusalem as well to show that these people had been completely wiped out and completely subjugated uh, as a lesson to anybody else who rose up against the, the Romans. Uh, and there's a picture of Flavius Josephus himself. Um, and again, you can read in detail what took place from the point of view of somebody who was Jewish, but writing on behalf of the Romans as well. So you have to read it with that in mind, but you can find that on the internet or many of us will have that book, some of his books um, at home. So these are events that are very well attested. So let's, let's summarize them. The prophecies about Israel, that they would, if, we know that they did not follow the commands of God. So in Deuteronomy 28 and, and in Jeremiah and also uh, in Ezekiel, we're told they'd be dispersed all over the world. They would live, um, wherever they lived, they'd live in fear and they would be persecuted. Their name would become an insult. And certainly the older ones amongst us, I'm not sure it's quite so prevalent today, but I, 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 Remember, uh, being massive, when I first started teaching uh, on a football field, one of the teachers shouted to the, uh, to the child that was hogging the ball, pass the ball, you greedy Jew. Uh, I, he, didn't, he didn't know he was fulfilling Deuteronomy 28. I mean, get sacked if he said it these days. But he said it nonetheless because that was just a, a common byword. It was an insult. It was a reference to the caricature that Shakespeare made uh, of Shylock. Anyway, their name will become an insult. Again, uh, you can show that. They'd be, one day they'd be regathered and this would happen before the return of Jesus. So that's been a whistle-stop tour. I'm gonna hand back now to Dieter uh, for it's probably time for a break.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you.